As you all know, Sharp Football Analysis is the best place for fantasy analysis and betting information. And this week, we are opening up the entire site to everyone. 2021 Sharp Football Free Week is here, and all our picks, analysis, fantasy coverage, props, content will be free and open to the public. Sign up at sharpfootballanalysis.com. Go follow the site handle on Twitter at sharpfbanalysis for all the content and play releases throughout the week. That's sharpfootballanalysis.com and Sharp fb analysis on twitter to take advantage of sharp football free week 2021 welcome to the sharp angles betting podcast i'm ryan mccrystal and it's time to dive into the week 11 action we'll start off by discussing a couple of the big games of the week and then of course we'll dive into all the player preps i like for the week ahead Let's kick things off with Colts-Bills. This is obviously a big game in the AFC playoff picture. Bills uh, somewhat surprisingly now finding themselves in a tight race in the AFC East. Uh, Colts probably out of things in the AFC South. So they're three games behind the Titans, but very much in the wildcard mix. Uh, Colts are at the Bills in this one. Bills uh, favored by a touchdown. Totals at 49.5 points. When I was approaching this game, there were a couple of questions that I wanted to look at specifically from the Colts side of things. And the first is, can the Colts establish the run? Now, obviously, that's you know not a uh, not a strategy that teams want to use in every game. But as a heavy underdog against an explosive offense, it would certainly make sense for the Colts to try to uh, enter this game by thinking that maybe they can lean on Jonathan Taylor, establish the run, control the clock and just maybe limit the number of possessions in this game to help them keep this game close and give them a shot late. Um, Looking at some of the numbers, though, I have concerns about their ability to do that. I just don't think Jonathan Taylor is going to have room to run. And now he's been dominant. He's red hot lately, and the Colts have been having a ton of success running the ball, but this looks like it might just be a bad matchup for them. And from the Colts side of things, Taylor's getting contacted at or behind the line of scrimmage on 45% of his carries. That matches the league average. So it's not terrible, but it's also not a strike. The offensive line is not clearing a ton of room for him, and they're just really getting by on his ability to create for himself. When he is contacted at or behind the line of scrimmage, he's averaging two yards per carry, which is well above the league average. So he does well when he's contacted back there. He's able to create for himself. That's why he's, you know, you know, arguably, arguably the best uh, running back in the league right now with Derrick Henry knocked out of the picture. Uh, but the Bills are going to make it difficult on him because on the Bills side of things, running backs are getting contacted at or behind the line of scrimmage against their defense 54% of the time. That's a third best rate in the league. So the Bills front seven has done a great job wreaking havoc at the line of scrimmage against the, uh, the run game. And so I think that's just going to, make it difficult for Jonathan Taylor to get anything going. Now, when the Bills do make contact with running backs at or behind the line of scrimmage, they're averaging just 0.7 yards per carry, the lowest rate in the league. So not only are they getting to running backs in the backfield at a very high rate, but they're shutting guys down when they get there. It's not just a lot of incidental contact. They're getting to the ball and they're stopping them right at the line of scrimmage. So we should expect Taylor to get hit more often in the backfield in this game, probably uh, be able to create for himself a little bit less often against this defense. So now looking at those two things, I would also I'll throw in a little prop bet here. Not one of my favorites of the week, but I would certainly lean the under on Jonathan Taylor's rushing yards, especially since we're likely to get a pretty high number here based on how red hot he's been. Uh, so that's definitely an, an early prop bet that I would consider there. Now, the other question I had is, 
if they fall behind, which you know we would certainly expect them to as a uh, touchdown underdog, will Carson Wentz have time to throw? Because the Colts offense is a little bit more explosive when he does have time to sit in the pocket. And that is definitely his preferred method. When he has time, he'll take it. He wants to sit in the pocket and take some shots downfield when that's an option for him. 31% of his throws come after three seconds. That's among the higher rates in the league. And when he does take three or more seconds to throw, once he's averaging 8.1 yards per attempt, when he gets rid of the ball before three seconds, 6.7 yards per attempt. So the Colts offense is a little bit more explosive when he has time to throw. And it makes sense when you're throwing downfield, obviously, you know, the majority of his downfield throws are happening after three seconds. He has time to sit in the pocket and let those reps develop by his receivers. Uh, but that's really critical for the Colts offense to be more explosive is what, him having time to throw. And this is actually a stat that may lean in the Colts' favor because it looks like against the Bills' defense, he should have time. Opposing quarterbacks against the Bills, they take three or more seconds on 40% of their dropbacks. That's the fourth highest rate. So the Bills have not been great at forcing quarterbacks to get rid of the ball early. So it seems like, you know, if they fall behind, if they're forced to throw a lot, Wentz should have time in the pocket to take some shots downfield. So again, you know, they, they should enter this game trying to establish the run, control the clock, just limit the number of possessions for the Bills offense in this game. We think that that might be difficult for them, but if they are, if they do get shut down in that approach and they have to throw the ball more often, it does look like this could be a game where Wentz has some success. Now, I also looked up Josh Allen's numbers, just the flip side of things, because obviously Allen is also a quarterback who likes to hang on to the ball a lot. He holds the ball at three or more seconds, 33% of the time, pretty similar to Carson Wentz, just slightly higher. Quarterbacks against the Colts, they are they're able to take three or more seconds 35% of the time. That's the ninth highest rate. So we're seeing pretty similar rates for both quarterback and defense when the Bills are on offense. So, you know, I wouldn't expect the Colts defense to cause a whole lot of problems for the Bills passing game necessarily. So, you know, maybe that leads us to think this could have some sneaky shootout potential in this game. If Wentz is able to have time to throw if the Colts passing game looks a little bit more dangerous than it has in past weeks. This, you know, maybe this game is a little bit more of a back and forth high scoring affair. So I would maybe lean the over, as I said, it's 49 and a half. That's, that's not a strong take. I'm not certain that I'll uh, actually play that, but if I had a, had to say I leaned one way or the other, I would lean the over in this game based on that. Now, one other stat I wanted to throw out there, it's not, it's not the type of stat that I bring up a lot, but I, I look back at how the Colts do um, as an underdog of three to seven points on the road when Frank Reich is their quarterback. And this jumped out at me because they're seven, one, and two against the spread in those situations. Again, this is under Frank Reich on the road as a three to seven point underdog. So when they're, you know, it's, it's a little bit more than a toss up, but not, they're not a heavy, heavy underdog. They do very well in those situations, seven, one, and two against the spread. Now, I normally don't like to place bets based on these types of trends because just so much changes from year to year, matchup to matchup. Sometimes there can be a little bit of just luck involved in these trends. You may just be getting a small sample size fluke, but in this case, you know, that's such an overwhelming number to be seven, one, and two, you know, they're obviously they're doing something right. And we have reason to believe that, you know, this is a highly regarded coaching staff, Frank Reich, obviously well-respected on the offensive side of things, on the defensive side, Matt Eberflus, their defensive coordinator, obviously highly regarded. We, we have reason to think that 
you know, when the Colts are being overlooked a little bit in a bad spot on the road, that this coaching staff it probably is doing a pretty good job of getting them prepared and, uh, you know, outplaying expectations a little bit. So, you know, we do have some reason to kind of read into that and think, you know, that this could potentially be a meaningful trend that, you know, they're, you know, over, they're overreaching expectations in these situations. So I, I kind of lean the Colts uh, getting a touchdown on the road here. Next big game I want to touch on is Bengals at the Raiders. Bengals actually favored in this one by one point on the road. Total set to 49 and a half points. Uh, and the big stat that I wanted to look into here was can the Bengals limit the Raiders' big plays? And I'll reference a stat that I've brought up in the podcast a couple times this season. It's how Derek Carr really thrives against the blitz. He likes to take shots downfield when teams blitz him, and he's been really successful doing so. Against the blitz, Carr is averaging 9.7 yards per attempt, and his average depth of throw is 10.7 yards downfield. So he's done an exceptional job identifying the blitz, finding that one-on-one matchup that's usually out there when teams blitz and taking shots downfield, and it's been really effective for the Raiders' offense. When they don't blitz, however, a much more modest 7.6 yards per attempt and his average depth of throw is 7.7 yards downfield. So he's much less aggressive when teams don't blitz. And it makes sense. You know, there's less, you're less likely to be able to find that one-on-one matchup and try to stretch the field in those situations. Now against the Bengals, they don't blitz very often. Only a 19.5% blitz rate. That's the ninth lowest rate in the league. So I think that's reason to think that the Bengals can limit the Raiders' big plays in this game. And We've seen the Raiders passing him struggle a little bit in recent weeks against him that don't blitz very often. The Giants and Bears games specifically jump out. Those teams blitz the 11th and 4th lowest rates respectively. So, you know, I think there's reason to think that the Bengals blitzing at the ninth lowest rate can also give the Raiders passing game some problems simply by limiting those big plays. And then obviously we have to mention, you know, without Henry Ruggs on the field, that also limits their ability to be explosive, even in those situations when they do blitz and Carr is able to take some shots downfield, their offense is just a little bit less explosive. They just don't have as many weapons out there. So, you know, I feel like their recent struggles, especially last week, looking you know, surprisingly overwhelmed by a bad Chiefs defense, you know, that's that's baked into the line a little bit with the Bengals already being favored by one. So I don't necessarily love this, uh, but I do lean, lean Bengals. Uh, just based on the fact that I, I think they'll be able to limit the Raiders' explosive passing game in this matchup. Let's move now to a few of the player props that I really like this week, and I'm going to go to one that uh, maybe may surprise you a little bit. It certainly surprised me a little bit when I realized I like this, but I like the over on Miles Gaskin's longest rush this week. Now, this line isn't posted yet, but I'm kind of expecting it to be around 13, 14 yards. And I like the over in that situation. It's based on a few different factors. One just has to do with the fact that the the Dolphins offensive line has actually done a decent job creating space for Gaskin to run this season. He's And he is a fairly elusive running back. He's at 28% of his carries. He's gained three or more untouched yards. That's the sixth highest rate in the league. That stat really bodes well for uh, breaking off big runs. 80% of 15-yard runs or longer are happen when they're untouched for three or more yards. So being able to get three yards untouched really uh, ratchets up the likelihood that you're going to be able to break off those long runs of 15 or more yards. On the Jets side of things, the Jets defense, they're allowing three or more untouched yards to running backs 29% of the time. That's the third worst rate in the league. So we've got a good matchup here of Gaskin gaining 
uh, untouched yards at a pretty high rate. Jets allowing it at a high rate as well. So you know, I think he'll have some opportunities there where he's untouched for a few yards and will have a chance to uh, break off long runs. Also looking at you know running backs against the Jets this season, there have been 10 running backs who've had at least 10 carries against them this season. Seven of them have, gained, have had a long run of at least 14 yards. Six of them have had a long run of at least 18 yards. So you know, based on this particular matchup, based on how all running backs have performed against the Jets on this type of prop this season, you know, I, I think if it's available around 13 or 14 yards, you know, I think I would feel pretty confident projecting Gaskin to be able to break off a run of 15 yards or longer in this matchup. The next prop I'd like to consider is the over on Cole Komet's receptions prop. Now, we've talked about the Bears a lot this year, taking them a variety of props. Um, it's had a lot to do with Justin Fields and their passing game, and it feels like it's been fairly predictable. Um, so we haven't gone to Cole Komet, but we're going to go this direction this week. Now, we've had six games with Bill Lazor calling plays on the Bears' offense this season. And in those six games, I'm just going to read off the targets that Cole Komet has seen. We've got three, four, five, six, six, and eight. So a pretty obvious progression where he's getting more and more targets. It hasn't necessarily been a huge jump in target share, though. It has a lot to do with just the fact that they seem to be trusting Justin Fields more and more as the season goes on. And just, you know, they're just passing the ball at a higher rate in the last few games. In Fields' first three starts, he threw the ball 20 or fewer times in each of those. In his last four starts, he's, he's thrown the ball at least 27 times in all four of those games. So they're throwing the ball more and more as the season goes on. It seems like they're, they've kind of eased Justin Fields in, which was a big reason why we took the under on Justin Fields' passing yards quite a few times early in the season and were successful with those bets. Now we're starting to see them throw the ball more, getting a little bit more aggressive. Komet seems to be very reliably a part of that passing game with six or more targets in three straight games now. I think we should expect to uh, see that continue. And this is also just a good matchup going up against the Ravens. The Ravens have not defended tight ends well this season. Obviously, this is a pretty, this is a decent uh, Ravens defense, not as dominant as they have been in years past. But uh, the defending tight ends is definitely a weakness that they have shown. Teams are actually targeting they've targeting their tight ends 9.7 times per game. That's a league high rate. That's 87 total targets on the season. Uh, and the Ravens are giving up 7.5 yards per target to tight ends. So teams are throwing their tight ends and having success against the Ravens. So I don't see any reason why Laser wouldn't see that trend and just go after Cole Komet, maybe ratchet those targets up a little bit more. As I said, he had a season high eight in his last time out against the Steelers. I would expect uh, you know, at least six or more. We could potentially see nine, ten targets in this game based on how other teams have approached the Ravens. You know, I think the fact that they have a reliable tight end, they seem to be having success throwing to them, it would really make sense for that to be a, a, a feature of their game plan going into this one. And we, I also think we could get a really good number here. The last two games out, Komet's receptions prop was available at 2.5, and it's been no higher than 3.5 all season now. Maybe it goes higher than that based on the same trends that we're seeing. Maybe the books identify those and bump it up. You know, I, I think I would be comfortable taking it. I mean, I would definitely be comfortable taking it at 3.5. It goes all the way to 4.5. Uh, I would lean over, but I might, I'd probably stay away at that point. So I'm hoping we get another 2.5 or 3.5 this week. I'm definitely on it at those numbers. The next prop I'm considering this week is the over on Dalton Schultz receiving yards prop going for another tight end here. This has a lot to do with the Chiefs' defense. They really struggled defending tight ends. 
The Chiefs have allowed 9.7 yards per target to tight ends. That ranks 31st in the league. They just have not been able to shut anybody down for the most part. Six different tight ends have had at least 50 receiving yards against them. Now, I do have to mention they somewhat shut down Darren Waller last week against the Raiders, held him to just 24 yards on seven targets. That's obviously a, a little bit concerning, but as we mentioned you know, earlier in the pod, the Ravens are sort of you know figuring things out again. On, on, the Raiders, I'm sorry, are starting to figure things out again on offense without Henry Ruggs. That obviously limits their uh, weapons, their ability to stretch the field. It's a, it's much easier for teams to key on Darren Waller right now. So that could potentially be why the uh, Chiefs were able to have some success shutting Waller down last week. Now, going up against the Cowboys offense, that's much more difficult. The Cowboys have plenty of weapons. In fact, more weapons uh, this week than they have in past week because Michael Gallup returned last week. So just with the stable of targets that the Cowboys have on offense, it seems like the Chiefs are not going to be able to key on Dalton Schultz. In fact, he's probably one of the guys that they're more likely to uh, forget about. And it seems like that should be an opportunity for the Cowboys if they're going to try to shut down Lamb or Cooper, that Schultz could be an opportunity where he maybe has some one-on-one matchups that are to his advantage. He's seeing 5.7 targets per game this season. So, you know, it's tough to predict what his line is going to be available at. It hasn't been posted yet. It's kind of been all over the map. It's been as low as 21. It's been over 50 a couple times. Um, I'm kind of hoping for this line to be available around 45 yards based on some you know, looking at some of the fantasy folks, what their projections are at, that seems to be mid 40s seems to be their projection. Uh, so I'm kind of thinking maybe we'll get a line somewhere around there. And I would like the over just based on his usage and based on the fact that the Chiefs have really struggled. Seems like this could be a, a good spot for him to be in some favorable situations, maybe for him to get a few extra targets in this game against a really struggling Chiefs defense. Let's jump down to some Thursday night football talk. We got Patriots at the Falcons. Patriots favored by six and a half. The total is set to 47 points. Every stat you look at in this game points to the Patriots being able to control this game from start to finish. Uh, I certainly would lean towards taking the Patriots uh, to win this game by more than a touchdown. However, as I said last week, all all of the stats pointed to the Ravens, and I said I'm still not going to take it because just a road favorite on a Thursday night is such a tough spot. I just – That's sort of just like an automatic stay away situation for me. I went back and looked up some numbers over the last uh, 10 seasons on Thursday night. I'm sorry, the last five seasons on Thursday night, road favorites. They're 14, six and one against the spread. Road favorites of a field goal or more. They're eight, 10 and one against the spread. Road favorites of six or more points, three, four and one against the spread. So, you know, none of those are, going to you know push you one direction or the other those are pretty tight margins there but it definitely you know underscores the fact that this is tough it's tough to go on the road and a short week and just and dominate the game and cover the spread you know and then the other factor in this game and I'll get to this in a little bit more in depth in a minute but we've got a rookie quarterback on the road on a short week that's a tough situation rookie quarterbacks on Thursday night they're seven and 23 straight up so that's just that's a really tough situation. I don't know how we can uh, trust Mac Jones on a short week to go in there and dominate. You know, a lot of the stats certainly indicate that he should have success in this game. I'll get to a little bit more of those in a second, but it's it's a tough spot. So as far as you know, taking the Patriots in this game, that, that's where I lean. You know, if you're in an office pool or something like that, yeah, I would I would go with the Patriots. But 
it's just a tough spot to trust them to cover a you know almost touchdown spread on the road on a short week with the rookie quarterback, no less. So speaking of Mac Jones, the prop bet that I like in this game is the under on his passing plus rushing yards at 261 and a half. Uh, the, now, the reason I'm going with the passing plus rushing yards prop is I think we're getting a little bit of an advantage baked into this because his passing yards prop is available at 254.5. So that's basically there's an implied seven yard rushing. However, his rushing yards prop is available at 4.5. So they're not actually projecting him to get those seven rushing yards. So we basically have a few extra yards baked in there. Uh, And he's only gained seven or more rushing yards three times. And those have mostly come in games when he's dropping back to pass a lot, which makes sense. They're not calling design runs for him. So for him to get a lot of rushing yards, it's basically going to be scrambling. The odds of him scrambling, you know, go up the more dropbacks he has. And in this game with them favored by almost a touchdown, Short week, we also would expect them to uh, probably try to limit uh, what they're putting on his plate heading into this one. We should expect a heavy uh, rushing game plan for the Patriots in this one. So I'm not expecting him to drop back to pass a lot. Certainly don't expect him to get a lot of rushing yards. And as far as his passing yards, even just, you know, I like the under on his passing yards prop as well. Uh, But, you know, seeing how I think we have a little bit of an advantage here with this rushing plus passing number. Uh, I like the under on his 261. Mac Jones has gone over 250 passing yards only four times in 10 games. Um, And the times where he's gone over, he's attempted at least 36 passes in each of those games. As I said, I just don't think we're going to see that kind of passing volume. For one, I don't think it's going to be necessary against the Falcons. They should be able to run the ball against them. And it certainly makes sense for them to try to enter this game with a very heavy rushing game plan because you just have less time to prepare your rookie quarterback. So I think there's just going to be a little bit less on Mac Jones's plate entering this game. I don't think he's going to throw the ball a lot unless this game just very unexpectedly uh, turns in the Falcons favor. If if the Patriots are playing from behind, obviously they might be forced to do so, but I don't think that's going to be their game plan entering in. Now, when he drops back to pass fewer than 35 times, Jones has zero games over 250 yards. He averages 196.6 passing yards per game. So basically for Jones to hit the over on this, he's going to have to throw the ball, you know, 35 or more times. And I, you know, that's a pretty heavy passing volume. I just don't think that that's going to be part of their game plan. And I don't think that Falcons are capable of forcing them into a game script where that's necessary. And, you know, I went back and looked at rookie quarterbacks on Thursday night over the last 10 years, only nine of 36 guys have topped 250 yards. Only 10 of 36 guys have thrown the ball at least 35 times. So, you know, it, it really makes sense. If you've got a rookie quarterback playing out Thursday night, you're just not going to be able to prepare him enough. Even a guy like Mac Jones, who's playing really well, that seem to be trusting him more and more. You know, you, you've still got a rookie quarterback that you're preparing to face a team for the first time. It's a tough situation. So I definitely like the under on Mac Jones passing plus rushing yards, the under 261 and a half. I think this is going to be a really heavy run game, uh, game plan for the Patriots and Jones. Although I think he'll probably have a nice game against this Falcons defense. I just don't think he's going to have the passing volume to get to those numbers. So that's all for this week's show. Hope you have a fun and profitable week 11. Be sure to tune in next week as we'll break down all the Thanksgiving action for you.